Welcome everyone. Glad you made it. Um, so happy you're here. I know some of you are here for the first time and so welcome. Uh, welcome to New City NYC. I think Lauren did an amazing job explaining who we are, our makeup, our DNA as a church. And you'll get to hear more actually next week. We have our DNA meeting. So that's uh, about 10, 15 minutes after church. Uh, we get together for those that are first comers or new to the church and, and you will get to know a little bit more about us and, and ways in which you can get involved or just to hear more and discern if this is uh, the family, uh, church family you want to be a part of. But we're just very excited that you're here and good to see some of you that uh, you've come before, obviously, and we're thankful that you're here too. So new and all faces alike. But um, I'm excited about this new series um, and just to give you a little bit of a background on what we've gone through um, so we started this new series called uh, life rhythms following after Jesus's rhythms of grace and these are based on um, on the three core values that we have as a church those core values are spiritual formation community and empowerment Right, so those are core values. If you go to our, our to our uh, website, you'll find these core values written there. But you know, we came out with the three P's, which is easier to remember. So for spiritual formation, you have presence; for community, you have people; and for empowerment, you have purpose. So presence, people, purpose, and we talked about um, about the, these three. Um, different, um, these three core values as rhythms that Jesus utilized in his life and he gave to the disciples and the church to follow. So we, we've been reflecting on each of them and we'll reflect on each of them and their vital function in our lives as individuals and as a community. We will get to craft life rhythms, right? So we're basing these life rhythms on these three core values. And these three core values are Jesus' rhythms of grace. We talked about the rhythm of presence, which is a vertical rhythm. I call it vertical because it's a rhythm with God the Father, right? Vertical with the divine, with God. So that's a rhythm of presence. Now, Jesus prayed, Jesus fasted, Jesus studied scripture. All of that in which he engaged in these rhythms of presence with God, we talked about on the last three weeks. We had an, even an interview with an author who wrote Soul Care, which talks about a lot about identity and spiritual practices. Uh, we talked about spiritual uh, disciplines like prayer, fasting, all these things. We went, we went through the whole um, a passage where Jesus was tempted by Satan, right? Um, so if you want to hear more about that, you can always go to our resources uh, page at our website. You can listen to the past, past couple sermons. You can listen to the 30-minute interview we had as well. And we encourage you to do that. But now uh, we're shifting, though, to um, a second rhythm. Now we've shifted from vertical, which we talk about presence, being on the presence of God, where we talked about uh, the rhythms of presence like prayer, solitude, silence, fasting, meditation, and study. And we were even able to write 
these rhythms last week. Um, we, we wrote them weekly, monthly, you know, we, we, we sort of challenge each other on, on engaging on these rhythms of presence, right? But now, today, we're going to shift into the rhythms of people, rhythms of community, right? That's the horizontal, you know, that's uh, what I call the cross-like relationship, cross-like intim- intimacy. It's like a cross, vertical with God, horizontal with people, your friends, your family. You, you, you cannot have one without the other. If not, you were created for community with God, but with also with people, vertically, but also horizontally. So now we're going to focus on the rhythm of people and community. So we'll look at instances where the early church practiced these rhythms enthusiastically and organically. And what I mean by early church, I simply mean by the early community of followers of Jesus about 2,000 years ago, right? So, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see this practice, how, how uh, the early church practiced these rhythms, which they follow after Jesus' life. And how they knew that without the presence, meaning the vertical relationship with, with God, the, the presence rhythm, they could not have a healthy people rhythm, a healthy horizontal rhythm. And vice versa, you, you cannot have without the other. It's a symbiotic relationship between the two, right? So these, the cross-like rhythms are necessary to have peace, to have shalom, to have wholeness, right? If we don't able to practice these rhythms in which Jesus practiced with God, with community. And, and the early Christians, they practice with God in prayer and with people in community. Then there, you might not get that peace that you're looking for because you, you're being influenced. We're being influenced by everything that's outside of us that urges our attention and causes anxiety and burden, right? So, um, actually, I, I, wanted, I wanted to say this for a while, and, and I'm going to mention it now. I don't know if you realize the design of those lights. So, I love it because we actually had a design in which we were crafting this series, the three rhythms, right? And Novia also, uh, thank you, Novia, for coming up with these beautiful designs. And Novia and, and Andrea worked together to ca- come up with this. And I love it because... Maybe you haven't realized it, but when we were on the presence rhythm, the, uh, we got triangles, but they were blue, right? Now they are yellow. And all of these have a significance. And when we were talking about all of them in the beginning, I don't know if you remember, we had three colors. We have the three triangles. We have the, the blue one, the yellow one, and then the red one, right? Um, so they, they all have a purpose, right? Because blue one is God, heaven, and the yellow one is friendship and it's it, it signifies friendship so I just love how it all kind of coming together I just wanted to say that because they work so hard and I just love the significance even behind uh you know the the design um to help us understand what we're going through um but anyways so today though we're going to talk about life rhythms dwelling in community and the rhythms of people now we're not gonna dive into actual like the actual uh, practices that we will do next week, right? And next week, we will get to write them. And we take it slow here, right? 
these rhythms, as we've talked about the first week, they are, as an analogy, it's like a vine and a trellis. The trellis is the wooden thing that helps the vine grow. So these rhythms are like the trellis. They are not alive. The vine is alive. So the trellis helps the vine thrive. So with the rhythms. The rhythms it's, themselves can change. If the vine is not thriving, then the rhythms have to change, right? If you're praying, right, and you're not having peace, then there is something on the trellis that needs to change. Now, it might be that the way you pray, but maybe, maybe you might not be a Christian yet. Maybe it might be to, to search about this Jesus thing. Who, who's this Jesus that these people are talking about today, right? That they kind of find peace about it. That might be the next step on your rhythm. Maybe it's intellectual or maybe it's not intellectual. Maybe it's more spiritual. Maybe it's more of testing God, taking that step of faith, right? I don't know where you're at. You might be on the searching place of, okay, I'm trying to figure this Jesus out. My rhythm, my trellis in which I am in, whether it's another religion or whether I'm not religious at all, right? It's not working, but maybe this Christian trellis might work for my vine to grow. Maybe switch that trellis, right? And, and, and maybe what is that next step on that trellis? Maybe you're a Christian, but your prayer life is not working. Maybe you shouldn't pray that way. Maybe you need to go out of nature, change the trellis. Maybe you need to journal rather than just praying out, out loud because you need that writing to take, get out your thoughts. That's the trellis, right? That helps the vine thrive. That's what we're talking about, rhythms. Those, the rhythms... It's like the trellis, right? So, um, but today we're going to talk about, again, the community rhythm, the people rhythm. If you want to talk, if, if you want to know more about you, if you weren't here for the, light, the other presence rhythms, you can always go back. But uh, we based it on Acts 2, 42 to 47. Um, so, there you go. So what is community? What is community? I always do a Google search, like all of us. Uh, Google has made us lazy. Okay, so you go to community, and you find this thing, right? What A group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. That's what a community is. People living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. There's a commonality. Like, the Christian community had a commonality that they believed on Jesus. Right? And what he said and what they have, they have that similar experience that unites them. Regardless of their background, their ethnic background, regardless of where they're coming from. Now, it's also a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. Right? There's a commonality again. That's the commonality that sort of brings community together. You know? International students, the commonality of coming here with a visa, that's makes a community of people, gives it sort of a way of fellowshipping with each other, right? So that's what a community is. Um, now, what is community in scripture that, on, on, on the Bible? I know we, that's more of a general community, like, meaning, but what is community in scripture? And, 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 and community, I mean, you can find a lot of words that sort of go around what community is, in scripture, but I think one of the best, probably, descriptions of 
communities that were mishpat in the Old Testament or the First Testament, right? And that's, that's uh, 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 written in Hebrew, right? Thousands of years ago, written in Hebrew, mishpat. You see that word a lot. Now, that, that mishpat is usually translated in English or might be in your language too, to justice. To, it's, it's translated as justice. But justice is community. Now, what does justice have to do with community, Pierre? Well, for the, pe- for the Hebrew people, it had everything to do with community. They both are intertwined together, right? Is, is justice is God's intended society. God intended community for humankind. If you think of justice, you think of something wrong becoming, and, and, and there is justice on it, right? If there is someone that's hungry, you know, there, and, 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 and because someone else have taken their food, justice for that person will mean giving their back their food and probably right, bringing consequences to the person that did wrong to the poor, right, in whatever way possible, maybe prison time or something else. There's, why? Because if you don't do that, then everyone else will also do evil because there's no consequences of that evil. So that's sort of like what we think of justice. But justice is basically that intended society for humankind is a dynamic power and force that is embedded in creation that makes the word a life-giving and life-sustaining place. That's not, those are not my words. Those are the words of a scholar, of a Hebrew scholar. Who's a professor of mine who's amazing, knows all these 20-plus dead languages, and writes Hebrew and writes Aramaic and Egyptian, all these things. But he's, he's really talented at what he does. And I remember he teaching this to us when I was in seminary. That is the school for theology, masters. So he was saying, like, yeah, like that's what mishpat is. When you see justice, it simply is God's intended community. It's what God intended for, for the community of the world, but that sin came and disrupted that which was God intended. It was not intended for the community for people to yell at other people and do ill to other people. It was not. It was, uh, it was so that the world can be a life-giving and life-sustaining place. For a true community to happen, justice must be part of it. But then, the Hebrew people don't think like Western people. For them, that is community. Because if there isn't God's intended society, God's intended community on the world, then that is what community will be all about. If, if there wasn't people doing wrong to other people, or you thinking wrong of others... Then that, what does that do? Injustice causes disruption of community. It causes division. That is what injustice does. The opposite of justice is injustice, and injustice disrupts community. Therefore, justice is community. Or at least that's what in Scripture tells us what's justice. is mishpat. Is a dynamic power and force that is embedded in creation that makes the world a life-giving and life-sustaining place. It's God's intended community. 
And that's what he intended, like what Lauren was talking about. This is inter-ethnicity, people from different backgrounds coming together. And somehow in the midst of our big gap differences and languages and ways of doing life, somehow we're united by this Jesus, right? And we just, who brought through justice, and we can have a relationship. We can have a true community. That, that was the justice that God was looking for. I can go on and on on this. But there's more. There is, what is love in scripture? What is he said, right? If you don't have love, you don't have true community. Now, remember my professor will say that chesed is required for mishpat. For you to have mishpat, you must have chesed. You cannot have mishpat without chesed. And what is chesed? It's love, sacrificial love. It is inherited in the society, in the community, in the mishpat that God intended for humankind. Chesed fuels justice, fuels God's intended community. In chesed, God puts himself at a disadvantage for the advantage of the world. When does that happen? Jesus, God himself, came put himself on a disadvantage for the advantage of humanity. He carried the, the, the injustices that we should have paid the consequences for on the cross. Right? Because he had chesed, or what in the Greek calls agape, which is love, sacrificial love. Chesed on the Hebrew, agape on the Greek on the New Testament. That is a Christian Bible, right? So, so that's, that's the chesed that's necessary for true mishpat. Are you following? Jesus came and gave that chesed that was necessary for mishpat to come to the world. So, in love, in that chesed, I, 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 I like chesed because if I say love, you think of romantic movies and French kisses. Okay. I don't know. But like, it, it, it is more than that. Actually, chesed, interestingly enough, it's not translated as love usually because it, it does not contain the meaning. It actually has to be translated with two words. Usually as steadfast love, you might see on, 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 the, on the Bible. But steadfast love is just one word. And you go to the Hebrew, just chesed. But they had to put something else to make it sound. Or mercy sometimes. Mercy, like compassionate, sacrificial love. That's, that's chesed. It's not just love. It's sacrificial love. So, uh, so in chesed, God puts himself at a disadvantage for the advantage of the world. Acts of chesed are acts of extraordinary generosity that cannot be required. They cannot be required. But they are always performed in the interest of mishpat. Always performed on the interest of justice, of true community. So we got chesed, we got mishpat. And now, it's just the background. Don't worry, the body won't be that long sometimes. So community is a core value in our church. So if you go to our, our, our website, 
and you look up to the second core value in which we base the rhythms of people, remember, presence people, we put, we desire to embody God's intended community among global citizens. That is you guys, global citizens, all of us, right? We believe that community, that's a microcosm, and global justice is a macrocosm, right? Because we're a microcosm, it's just a community of about 30 or 25 or so people, and we hope to keep growing, right? It's just a microcosm, but then there's the whole issues on the globe, right? That's a macrocosm, cannot be separated. We are committed to be a diverse community where everyone is welcome at the table and an intentional community that engages in social justice issues. Now, I have to say it that way because that's a way that people can, most of us can understand. But if you think about it, we are a microcosm because we're telling the world that we're from different backgrounds. Some of us even coming from different religious backgrounds. Some of us are not even Christians, you know, even, and keep coming to the church, and I love that. Even then, right, we are a community, a mishpat, that it represents that it's, it's roaring to the world to become like that. We are that little microcosm in which we're saying, hey, you know, a Peruvian Latino guy here from Peru who dances and loves to dance salsa with his beautiful wife and does all these different things, very differently from a lot of other, we tend to be more huggy and kissy and all that stuff and touchy-feely, but we got, we got also uh, Chinese and we got the Indonesians and people from other cultures that might be completely different a way of thinking of life, but somehow, in the midst of our cultural differences, we come together and are mishpat to the world. What's in the world like, you shouldn't be mad at your neighbor, you shouldn't be mad at that person that is even from your own family but thinks differently than you. Here we are from different cultures, loving each other, trying to intentionally learn from the other. That is a microcosm that we want to represent to the world. That's exactly what Lauren was saying, that every nation will gather together. That's a little piece of heaven on earth that we're trying to be. Just a little piece of heaven, of that representation of revelation, of that heaven where every nation will be together, gathering and worshiping God. We're just trying to be that heaven on earth right here in New York City. Right? Well, you might have a lot of different people right, different, uh, hum, uh, very heterogeneous, you know, culture and mixed, but that doesn't mean that people are very willing to intentionally learn from other people, but maybe just do business on the laundromat and just like having business with other people from other ethnicities, but that doesn't mean they go deep into that friendship or deep into getting to know the other, right, the completely other, and that's what we want to do here, we want to be that community, that freedom of people. So that's community for us. Now, finally, um, well, there you go. So this is a, a discipleship. What is, this, what is to me a disciple? A disciple is a follow, someone that follows after Jesus, a student. A disciple is someone, that's, that's actually a, 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 what is it, a, not, a me, not a meaning, uh, like a um, description of disciple, right? That I came out after many years of trying to figure it out. And, and I came up with this wording, 
And he says, disciples are those who learn to become servant leaders by holistically understanding their identity as children of God in Christ Jesus through a cross-like relationship, which we talk about vertically and horizontally, right? With God in prayer, which we already talked about for the last month, right? That's the vertical relationship. And now today we're starting to talk about, and with people in community, that's people. First rhythm with God in prayer, presence. Second rhythm, and with people in community, people. And then out of this identity, they are able to reach their full potential as carriers of God's kingdom and proclaimers of the gospel in the circle of influence God has called them to. Now, that last sentence is the last P, which is purpose, empowerment of the Spirit on us, right? That we'll talk next month, right? And we'll focus on that. But now we're focusing on people. Then we'll talk about purpose. So the early Christian community. What is the early Christian community? Now, we saw here, now we, we, we got the background, we got the mishpat, we got the chesed, the community, the justice mishpat, the chesed, the love, the sacrificial love that we talked about, right? And then we want New City NYC to be the microcosm of heaven on earth, right? That represents the justice. That means the mishpat, the community, in, the intended God's intended community on earth, right? By how? How do we do? How do we become mishpat? By doing chesed. How do we become a true community, a true community of justice, right? Of, of uh, God's intended community by doing sacrificial love, right? To others, like Jesus did on earth. Now we see that on Acts 2, verses 42 to 47, when the early church, the early believers you know, started living in community, in rhythms of people. And now, we'll go through this. Verse 42, what we see here. These are great examples of living on Mishpat, living on community. It says that, on verse 42, it says that, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. To fellowship. That is the first one there. And to fellowship. And fellowship, again, I looked it up. What is fellowship on Google? And it says, it's a friendly association, especially with people who share one's interests. An association with people that share one's interests. So we see here, though, in this passage, how the writer uses a Greek word, koinonia, for fellowship. Koinonia, which translated could mean any of the following. It, it means koinonia, it means fellowship, association, community, communion, and joint participation, right? That is what they were doing. They were committed to fellowship. Verse 42 and 46, they were sharing meals, which we try to do every time we meet together here in New City, right? And what it says, we, we share a meal. And they did that not just once, but twice in this small passage. In verse 42, it says, that and, and they committed to the Apostles' Teaching Fellowship, right? And then the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. So they shared meals. And then on verse 46, it says that they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in hopes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. So we see again on verse 46, there's a sharing of meals. All right, we see fellowship, we see sharing of meals, we see oneness on verse 44a. It says um, uh, that there is an effort to be in community. There's, that's what oneness is. There is an effort to become one, even in the midst of differences. 
right? So we see that it says, meet together in one place. On verse 44a, it says, uh, the verse, first part of verse 44, it says, meet together in one place, right? I know that sounds sort of like obvious, and it, it might sound obvious, but in a city like New York City, and all the precious responsibilities that a lot of us have, either as workers or students, Right. Um, in order to have community, we have to make time to meet all together in one place, like we're doing today. In order for us to find a time, find a place in our busy schedule to become one in one place, it takes some sort of effort and it takes commitment, right, to be on this rhythm of people, to meeting in one place. And that's why I'm thankful that you're here. We were one because of this, right? Now, uh, oneness, we got mutual generosity on verse 44. The second part of verse 44, it says, um, and all the uh, believers met together in one place and shared everything they had, it says. They shared everything they had. There's mutual generosity. Um, uh, So to be a true community, a true mishpat, we have to exercise generosity among ourselves. We cannot just live our lives thinking of self. Uh, there needs to be a sacrificial love. Remember the chesed that we talk about? To tend to other people's needs within our community. As well as with others. As well as... So, so we, we, we need to, to have the sacrificial love to tend to other people's needs within our community. As well as a humility. And this is very important, especially in your city. A humility to accept the help of others. It's not just the boldness to sacrificially love others, but giving, but it's also the humility to ask for help when you are in need. Because if you don't, then you're prideful. Then I am prideful. Because I am not accepting my need when another could help me on that need either financially, either emotionally, either spiritually, or in any other way, a job or whatever, right? You ask for help, and you need the humility for it, but you also ask for, and you also help in sacrificial love, right? My professor that we're talking about, Dr. Brian Woodben, who gave that uh, mishpat meaning, uh, uh, he, he said, you know, basically, mishpat is just you helping those that are weaker than you in a certain situation that are weak on that moment. You help them. But then it also means you ask for help to those that are stronger than you in other areas. That's what it all, it all said. You help those that are weak in certain areas, and you ask for help to those that are stronger in others. That's true community. That's mishpat, and it requires... Humility, it requires sacrificial love, right? That's what that verse in Amos, though, a parenthesis, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with the Lord, right? To do justice, that's mishpat, that's the word mishpat there. To love mercy, mercy is chesed. To do the mishpat, you must to love, to, to, to love, love. <laughs> you have to love chesed. And then it says to walk humbly with the Lord. That requires humility to walk with the Lord in these things. 
And we've been talking about these things all in that verse. So then um, the early community, the church was committed um, to do that. So in verse 45, though, we have mutual generosity within the community, but our generosity uh, uh, with, so uh, us as a church, us as a community, we as a community, we are to also give to others. Community is not complete without justice. As we mentioned in the meaning of our community core value as a church, justice is inherent in community, as we saw in scripture's meaning of justice, mishpat. The early community, the early church, was committed to give those in need. There's another act of chesed in favor of Mishpat, and you see that on verse 45, what it says there. It says, they sold their property and possessions and share the money with those in need. Boom. They share the money with those that were in need, right? That's what, that's what they were doing. There's an, there's, an, there's an outward given, generosity. All right, so we talked about fellowship, share meals, oneness, mutual generosity, our generosity, just kind of listing stuff that they were living in these rhythms of people, these rhythms of community. Then we got corporate worship on verse 46. It says, quote, worship together at the temple each day, unquote. Worship together at the temple each day. Notice how committed they were to worshiping corporately at the temple every day. Every single day they will worship together. God, probably in song, reading some scripture or in whatever other way they were worshiping together in community. They said that at the temple every day, as well as worshiping through the Lord's Supper at homes, it says. This is what we do when we come together on Sundays here. We worship together corporately as, as Lara leads us in corporate worship. Thank you, Lara. And we corporately worship God, right? And then also um, Together, we get together and share meals at homes through our community groups throughout the week. We do that as well. We go to homes, we share meals. We do that together in corporate worship. Um, so we encourage each other in Christ. Corporate worship is essential. God's presence is manifested in different ways when we come together as one to worship Him. There's a particular transformation and healing that happens when we are worshiping together as one. The scripture says on Psalm 22, 3, God dwells in the worship of his people. God dwells in the worship of Israel. Not in the worship of one person, in the worship of all of us. He's among them. Then also in Matthew uh, chapter 18 to, from 19 to 20, it says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, said Jesus, there I am in the midst of them. Something special happens in corporate worship. Last but not least, Mutual enjoyment. And we see that on the last verses. Verse 46b and 47. It says that share their meals with great joy. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. That's on verse um, 46b. The, the second part. And share their meals with great joy. and journey, All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. So you see that joy word there. Repeatedly. So, so finally we see how there is a sense of celebration and joy among the believers. They were celebrating. They were having fun. Right? They knew how to have fun, laugh, and enjoy each other's company. It's not boring. You know? Some people think of Christians that are boring. Or religious people, they're boring. They don't have fun. They don't go get drunk, whatever. 
Well, you need you actually you need alcohol to get to get to have fun. Interesting. Okay, we don't you we can have fun without getting drunk. That's even better in the spirit maybe. But that's you know, but that is that is the joy of being in community. That's the joy they had. When they went, they drink a little bit of wine here, a little bit of bread, a little bit of this and that, and then they have fun. They enjoy each other's company. They will dance. Jesus was on a party on, on the first time that he was out in ministry in the Gospel of John. He was at a party. He was at a wedding, you know, and he uh, transformed the, the water into wine, you know, and, and it's just like he just had fun, you know. I was going to put a video, but I couldn't. I, I was going to put a video on Jesus dancing on, the, on that party because that's definitely happened, as we know, culturally. Because culturally, that, those, those actually, those uh, weddings will last days. It's not like an afternoon, like in the U.S., two hours, and that's it. And that even, sometimes it's an hour. There it was days of partying and doing stuff, you know? So, so you got that mutual enjoyment. It's part of being the church, um, so, so then, um, we see though, on, on the message, and this is like a different version, which kind of like paraphrases a lot of it. Uh, I don't use it a lot, but I love how, what they put in this. It says, they followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, uh, followed by meals at home, every meal, a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praise God. People in general liked what they saw. Every day their number grew as God added those who were saved. There you go. That's the community. The just, I, I found this picture I really liked. Um, they're just chilling. They're, you know, that's how at that time they will like, you know, hang out and eat bread and talk and have fun. You know, that, that was the church. That's the church, right? That's the community, the people. So we, we talked about fellowship, sharing meals, oneness, mutual generosity, our generosity, corporate worship, mutual enjoyment, all of these different things that we see in community, in the rhythms of community of the early Christians, the early church. So today we have learned the rhythms of people by walking alongside the early community of Christian believers where they embody the true meaning of justice, the true meaning of mishpat as a community, enacting chesed, enacting sacrificial love among themselves and those outside their community, just as their master Jesus. We saw verse by verse and saw how they fellowship together, share meals, where one had mutual and outward generosity, worship corporately, and enjoy each other's presence in celebration and joy. Finally, though, on verse 47b, uh, the writer tells us that as they practice what we call the rhythms of people, right, that, quote, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That's the last little snippet I didn't talk much about. But it says that the Lord added every day. The, in the fellowship, those who were being saved, being saved from their evil, their sin, through Jesus, into the fellowship. That's an important reminder that people are saved and healed by Jesus, not based on what we do or not do. Neither the work of our hands, 
but by the Lord's grace. Grace meaning God's undeserved favor, undeserved gift. It is he who adds into the fellowship. His spirit at work in and through us who leads people to repentance and into the fellowship of Christ. You might not be a Christian today. I know some of you are not. And that's okay. I'm not going to pressure my hand for you to become a Christian. That's not our job as Christians. It's God, the divine, who we believe that brings conviction to the heart. And he brings it in such love and grace and compassion. And, and, and that's what we're reminded. That, that, that through these verses, like, though they did so much. He didn't say, like, oh, and by their love. The writer didn't say, by their love, by their sacrifice, by their justice. By all the fun they have, they attract the people because they were so fun. He didn't say that. He didn't say, like, by the love of the church, people came and were saved. He didn't say that. He didn't mention the community. He mentioned a lot of the stuff they do, and it oh, was awesome. We, we just listed them, mutual enjoyment and everywhere generosity. But the writer was like, eh, it's the Lord added. Jesus, God added the numbers of those that were being saved. It is not us by God. And that was what we believe as a church. It is not me, Andrea, the leadership here, or the volunteers, or that bring the people to the community of the church or other church, the universal Christian church in the world. It is God. It is the Spirit of God, not us. Why? Why then? Even Google says that the most influential person in history, just Google it. Who is the most influential person in history? Google will tell you was Jesus. Number one. Number one. And then you have other people after him. But number one is Jesus. Why? Why do people have a consensus of Jesus being the most influential people in history? Even the atheists believe that. Because it's a movement of millions of people in the world that still trust him in an age of technology. That's something to think about. So now we reflect on these rhythms of community, which we will go deeper next week, and we will talk about specific rhythms, and we'll get to write it. But today we'll just reflect. We'll reflect. If I'm a Christian, how the rhythms of people, the rhythms of community, found in the early Christian community might be similar to your current worldview, might be similar to my current worldview, if I'm not Christian. How is it similar? Well, I just heard, what is it similar to my current worldview? Uh, but in contrast, how it might challenge my current worldview? What has it challenged in my worldview that I hold right now as a non-Christian? What I just heard, these rhythms of people. Now, if I'm a Christian, in what ways have I been walking in the rhythms of people like the early church? In what ways have I been walking? And we, watch, we just talked about In what ways have I not been walking? Maybe not in so much. Maybe, maybe within my community I've been generous. Maybe not outside. Or maybe I have been generous outside but not inside. Whatever. I don't know. Or maybe you haven't celebrated enough. You haven't had fun. You're always working. That's why you're always angry. Maybe. I don't know. What is it that we are lacking on these uh, rhythms of people? Have I had the boldness to sacrificially give to those in need within and outside my community lately? In contrast, have I had the humility to ask and receive from the community when I am in need? 
Maybe you've, you have not done both. Maybe you have done both. Maybe you have done one, not the other. We are always, you know, have pride, have all these things. All of the above. You just think about these things. Um, and I'm going to call Alara to lead us in worship, the last song, as we finish for the day. I just think about those things before we go to the challenge. So let's pray. God, I just thank you for your love. I pray, God, that uh, even for us that are not Christian, I pray that, um, that what is it, God, that, that is similar to current worldview or what is in contrast to or, or what might be challenging it. God, I just pray that you'll bring conviction, Lord, of, of those things, God. As, 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 I, as, as your word says, we do not uh, bring conviction. It is you that added the people. So God, I just pray, God, that you bring uh, that, that just a little bit of conviction or a little bit of, of reflection to those of us that might not believe in you yet because there is some stuff that we need to work through, and that's okay. It's okay. We, we, might, we have these questions. We might want to answer them. Maybe Alpha, maybe other things that we can go to, or maybe these that have sort of like, yeah, well, what is challenge? How is this challenging my worldview? How is this similar to my worldview? And God, for, for those of us that are Christians, in what ways have I been walking in the rhythms of people like the early church? In what ways have I not? Have I been giving sacrificially to those in the community, to the church, to the people around me, to those that are in need? Or have I even like had the humility to give or the humility to ask for help. God, I just pray, God, just bring conviction, bring transformation, Lord. Even as we hear the weekly challenge, I pray that you'll challenge us this week, God. Have your way, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a quick weekly challenge here. Um, Take time this week to organize your schedule to give enough space to write new rhythms of people the following Sunday. So just take that some time to, to like, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to need some time. We've kind of sort of talked about some of these rhythms. But just take some time to, okay, I'm going to be writing these rhythms next week. Not this week, but let me just get ready, you know, ready my heart for these rhythms that I might need to add to my life. Maybe it's celebration, being communion, um, other things that we've just talked about, but we'll talk more about those specifically next week. But just adding that space. Maybe it's not time. Maybe it's just space in your heart. It doesn't have to be like clearing in my schedule so I can have two hours to do this. It might be just like mm, maybe something in my heart that I need to work on that I'm not willing to give, that I'm not willing to be with other people and celebrate, whatever. That space, that challenge. So as we do that, uh, let's worship together.